Welcome to the Chicago Golf Report Podcast, brought to you by ChicagoGolfReport.com, covering everything golf in Chicago. Our guest this episode is the founder of Sub-70 Golf, Jason Highland. Sub-70 Golf Clubs are custom-made direct from their factory in Sycamore, Illinois. So let's uh, start. If you could give kind of a quick overview of uh, when did the idea for Sub-70 come to you and... uh, in what shape did it come? I probably, you know, probably somewhere close to four years ago that we started thinking of the idea as other, you know, industries were going more factory direct. That could we do this with a with an OEM golf company? So, saw some other companies do it, in, uh, like Combatant Gentlemen for men's clothing. Um, that one kind of came to mind of. I really liked the quality of what they were doing. It was just a much better value. So we kind of, as we saw these other industries changing, that we thought, you know, if we do this right, we can do this in the golf industry as well and, and, and cut the cost and the overhead and make it, you know, more streamlined. So maybe it might be beneficial. Can you just give a, um, I guess, as brief as you can, overview of your history in the golf business uh, that kind of got you to this point to be able to execute on this type of an idea? Yeah, I mean, in the uh, in the early '90s, when I was in college, I started working for for Mike Tate, who went on to start SMT Golf, and he had a golf component company called Mirage Golf at that time. Worked for Mike all the way through college, and went to the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Graduated in 1995, then started Diamond Tour Golf, which was my first golf company, which was a golf component company still in existence today. Did that. Um, you know, from 95 to 2008, and then we started Hurricane Golf in 2008, and then from the third company, like I said, Sub-70 sort of started the concept, you know, three and a half, four years ago, and then we, we launched Sub-70 uh, in December of 2018, so like I like to tell people I've yet to have a real job in life. I've been lucky enough to work, you know, in my favorite hobby, so I'm 46 years old and have been doing it since 18, 19 years old at this point. And are all the uh, brands that you mentioned that are still going, everything is based out of Sycamore then, correct? Yeah, we run, we, run, we run three different golf companies out of the same facility, but all you know, each has its own separate niche. So, yep, we're in Sycamore, and, and then we just, we're basically just shipping boxes all over the world on a daily basis. And then with, like, the Seb 70 brand, are you involved with the design of the club? I know you have Jeff Bushnell. Did you work with him, or how, how did the whole design of the irons and then the woods come together? A team effort. So I kind of call it like a, like a garage band. When we started this, you know, we, we knew we, we didn't have the resources to go hire, you know, an outside firm. So from all of the connections, and we used to do a lot of consulting work uh, for people overseas. So uh, we, we worked with some major brands and, and helping them with some stuff. So we had the resources there, and we had the kind of, idea of the style of clubs we wanted to do then it was sort of a team effort with with our ideas and the engineers overseas to sort of you know put this together and then you know the garage band turned out to be pretty good um when we tested everything and it took a while to get it to where we wanted it that's why all these years took uh or it took a few years for us to actually launch it but we had to get the you know the products right or this thing wouldn't work and then between their ideas and our feedback and you know their ideas and Back and forth and back and forth, we sort of just worked as a team to sort of get the products where we wanted them to. So it was definitely, uh, 
you know, I couldn't have done it without the help of, of the engineers and my friends overseas at the foundries to kind of help us with the project. So let's take a, a deeper dive then, like uh, start with the irons. You've got three different irons that produce for the Sub-70 brand. Can you kind of give an overview of each of them? Yeah, the, the 639 series will be our forged uh, series for a little bit better player. We'll have an MB coming in soon, which is our tour blade. And then we have the CB, which is a forged cavity back. And we'll also be able to do combo sets for that. So that's going to be for your you know player who wants a little bit more of uh, workability, uh, feel, feedback. The 699 uh, is kind of our in-between iron where it has technology with the ultra-thin face and the TP material behind it, but it looks really clean, so it's still workable but yet still forgiving. So that's our good combo type club. And then the, the uh, 739 is our total game improvement club. You know, two-piece construction, real low center of gravity, meant to get up in the air and go really straight. So we kind of have hit the three different major segments that we thought we had to have an iron for, you know, in the market. So with the uh, 699 iron, I, ha I haven't seen it up close. I've only been, um, haven't had a ch chance to test that one, but it has a, a screw on the side. What is that for? That's where the TPE material goes into the head after it's produced. Hmm. So you have to have okay. that TPE material which supports the face. Otherwise, the face would break because it's so thin at 1.8 millimeters. So that's, that's where the material goes in into the hollow part of the iron, and that's what supports the face but also lets the face be thin enough where the iron sort of acts like a titanium driver where the face flexes and, you know, accelerates the ball a little bit better. So the one uh, iron that I have had a chance is the uh, to test is the 739, and it's a beautiful club. And it also, as you said, it's a very forgiving. It's, it feels like there's a huge sweet spot involved in that. How how did you come across with the idea for that? Team effort. You know, we we kind of started with the idea of you know we need to have a real low center of gravity. You know, we wanted to still look fairly clean. Where there's there's we always wanted the brand to kind of look a little bit understated elegant, so we didn't want a ton going on. So then I kind of expressed my idea to the engineers overseas and said, here's kind of what we think we want for that segment. Help us put the materials together, you know, and the engineering of what you guys think would be the best way to do it. So we kind of come up with a general idea. They put their input in of materials how we could design it, how you would do it, and then, then then it's the back and forth and the testing to kind of get it all right when we're experimenting with different materials for the faces. But that was us kind of saying, I think this is what we need, and asking their opinion, hey, if you were going to design this, help us out here, and how would you suggest we get the center of gravity low and we get the face to be hot, but we get it to perform. Then there's just a bunch of testing back and forth and different ideas and um, you know, time to get the product up to market and into the level of quality we wanted it to, but definitely a group effort on that one. Being then that these are factory di direct clubs, then um, when you talk to someone and uh, what are the metrics that you're looking for in order to fit them for the right shaft and say the right grip uh, for each of these three different uh, head styles? So let's say we find the segment of, you know, the client wants the 699 iron or the 739. Once we determine that of what, you know, we can ask questions or, or they would have an idea of what segment are we going for first. And then once we figure out what iron they want, you know, grip size usually kind of goes by hand size. So we might start off with, you know, what size golf glove do they wear, for example, or something to that extent, or what grip size are they comfortable with. 
And then, you know, if they are fit locally, that's great. You can't give us too much information. So if, if somebody really has absolutely no idea, we would encourage them to go get fit locally and then give us, it's almost like the doctor notes from that. And then we can kind of, you know, as long as they're using a, a similar type of golf club with the, with the same type of attributes of the head, we can take that information and pretty much go ahead and fit them. Most of the people seem to have a pretty darn good idea of sort of what they're looking for, then we can just sort of guide them if they're asking us, you know, we want to hit the ball a little higher or a little bit lower or, uh, you know, want a little bit more distance. Then we'll sort of try to ask the right questions to, to, to get the information from the client and put our two cents in to try to make sure that what they're getting will actually help their golf game out. And, you know, I think that's also why we have to have that 60-day money-back guarantee of, you know, they're, they're trusting us to build these things before they hit them. And, you know, we know what we're doing, but we always want to let the customer know, hey, if they're not working for any reason, you know, call us and let us know. But uh, honest to God, none of the, we have not had one set of irons come back yet. So um, you, you can kind of dial it in, but we always tell people, you know, if you can get fit locally, we can really interpret that information, and that helps us tremendously. So then let's take a quick trip through your wedges. You have three different wedges as well. Uh, how did those, uh, I guess, how did the idea for the wedge come about? And then uh, how did the finishes, uh, how did you determine those three different finishes? So I wanted to do the, the satin, the black, and the raw. And I, I'm personally a huge fan of raw finishes on wedges or irons. I love the look of it. But you know, maybe eventually we'll do it in the irons. But on the wedges, I love that look. So just kind of you know, Jeff and myself and the team, we all kind of here went through the finishes that we liked. And then we wanted the first wedge to be very universal. So, you know, we kind of made a sole design that most everybody can use, right? It's got the roundedness to it. It's not too crazy one way or the other. It's it's good for all turf conditions. We, you know, it, we kind of went with, uh, with that classic, almost 588-inspired soft round wedge uh, of the sole and the right amount of bounce. So we know it will work for most conditions. We'll be expanding the wedge line. Jeff's got, Jeff does all the wedges. So Jeff will be having some different grinds coming out next year that we're working on. This year they'll be a little bit more niche per se. But we wanted the first one to fit most playing conditions in, in most golfers. And I think we accomplished that. The nichier stuff will be coming out you know, probably next year. And then when we were designing it, we wanted the wedge to flight a little bit lower. We want like how better players see that pinched wedge or that better player ball flight, which isn't balloony. So then we ported the wedge to take some weight out of the bottom or out of the lower portion of it to kind of give it that better player ball flight. So first start off with the original design of we want to fit most people for the first go around, and then we want to get the trajectory right and then the feel right, so we were experimenting with different materials and different steels to kind of come up with the overall feel and performance, you know, that we wanted. And you know, it took a little bit of time to get there, but I think we got it. So you mentioned how this is kind of the lines evolving. You'll have more uh, different variations of these clubs as you go. Looks to be the same way with the woods. You have some uh, beautiful woods that uh, seem to be in the pipeline. Um, Hopefully this summer, does it still look to be that way? And then tell me a little bit about the woods, how uh, how those uh, evolved. On the fairway woods or the drivers? Um, the driver, and uh, it looks like you also have a couple fairway woods that... Uh, yes, yeah, so, so the, the fairway woods started off with the, the, the first one, we wanted to make it a, a very user-friendly, most people can, you know, 
get the benefit out of it, which is the 939X. So a little bit longer from toe to heel, low center of gravity, cup face technology with a really, really thin carpenter steel face. So very easy to hit, very easy to hit out of the rough or it needs kind of a tougher lie per se. And it's, it, it's good. It gets it up in the air, doesn't spin terribly much. So it's, it, it, you can flight it and it'll go even into the wind. And then we were starting to play around with the idea for the next one of Jeff and I making a fairway wood, like what would we really want to play? And we started working with different ideas, and this, the factory came up with a really low spinning face. Um, the first body design wasn't too great uh, from a sole plate standpoint, but the face was really, really low spin. So then we started working on making, which is our pro series, so we kind of kept evolving with it. I actually drew the sole plate up for that, just from ideas of the past of working. So, you know, it'll slide through as well, but still more classically shaped for the better golfer. Sits real neutral. The face is really hot, doesn't spin, made it more traditional shape, so it's very workable both directions. It just sits square, um, no adjustability. And we kind of built that one as a fairway wood that we, you know, Jeff and I we would really want to play and just sort of, put those pieces of the puzzle together. So we got one that's a little bit more game improvement and then one for the better player that's a little lower spin, more of a mid-trajectory and very workable. So we kind of have two different niches there. Then on the driver, we really wanted to have a driver that was workable yet aerodynamic. So probably for you know a little bit better player, not that a higher handicap couldn't play it, but we definitely designed it to be workable. So it's a little bit more traditional shaped, um, low spin, kind of like everybody wants to do with the driver, right? If we can get up in the air, a launch angle and have low spin, but have a little bit of workability still to it. You know, it's harder, obviously, with the modern-day equipment, but we still want to be able to work the golf ball, but look really, really clean to the eye. So, um, you know, the casted head, cup face technology, it's, it's, we put every piece of, you know, knowledge we had and quality we could put in the thing, um, it performs every bit as good as anybody else's driver out there from a performance standpoint. But, you know, the main thing we're going to be able to do is just do it at a lot better price. Um, but it's, it's good, and I'm hoping we'll have that out in the next two or three weeks. So the driver looks beautiful. Uh, my question is, is how much, when you're, when you're driving a, a, a designing a new driver, especially something like this from the ground up, how much of the design comes from the feedback you'll get once you test it versus, um, you know, saying kind of keeping a, an eye on the aesthetics? Well, yeah, I mean, that one is, we, you know, we knew the shape we wanted to have with it. So once we got the, the shape, then the factory helped us design the face. So then we kind of came up with the shape first that we thought would be workable and pleasing to the eye from a classic standpoint. So it looks, it looks clean and crisp when it's on the ground. So you, you're definitely getting, the front end is getting the shape that you want and then working with the engineers to, to try to design the best face we can based on that shape. And then it's a matter of working to try to get the sound right and then, you know, coming up with an idea for the weighting where we want it simple with just a front and rear weight, nothing heel or toe at this point, so a little less spin or a little bit you know, more spin. And then it's just a matter of it's, it's not one or the other. You just kind of keep going down the road of testing it seeing how the numbers look, seeing what golfers give you from feedback, and then go back to the drawing board to use different materials for the face. And it's just an, an evolution until you get to the point where 
you kind of got like, okay, I think we have this. It's got the performance that we want, the sound that we want, the look that we want, and it's something that we're comfortable or we're ready to bring to market. So it was a, it's never just a, you know, you come up with the first initial design of how you want that driver to perform and kind of what driver, you know, attributes you want to have. And then you sort of work it backwards to try to get to those attributes for that club. But first thing we did is went on the shape that we kind of wanted to have the workability, and then, okay, how do we engineer that shape to be the best we can possibly make it? As a club designer, um, I wonder if you have the same thoughts that uh, I, I hear, uh, listen to interviews and musicians when they talk about, say, they're making an album, and they talk about when is it done, you know, because they go through so much editing and iterations. Do you have the kind of same idea? So say you, you, know, you have these clubs now, you're playing them. Do you kind of go back and think, oh, I could be just adjusted a little bit, or uh, maybe I should do this, or is that what the next version of the club is for you, or are you the opposite? Like, okay, nope, that's perfect, it's done, we're good. Oh, I don't know if I don't know if you're ever saying it's perfect, right? Because if it's perfect, then you can do it any better. So I think you're always thinking like, how can you do? You know, what would the next thing be? Right? I think it's just the nature of it. But um, you know, so we're already thinking of some. You know, and we're not going to have a one-year life cycle. It's going to be at least two years. You know, maybe three. We're not going to bring out a, a, a new product unless we think we can actually make it better. So. There's no product life cycle, you know, uh, time frame that it has to be a new product out by this point. With this version of the driver, for example, like I, I was pretty happy. Like when we got it to the point where it was really working, and other people said it was working, and the testing came back that it was working. That at some point you have to kind of say this is doing what we wanted it to do, and it's performing at a really high level, you know talk to the engineers, talk to the guys testing it, looking at the numbers, you kind of have to say, okay, it's ready. But I don't think anyone's ever designed a perfect club, right? I mean, I think there's always something that you can think about or how do you deal with weight distribution or, you know, what, you know, what can we do with the next one? And, you know, when we do the next version, it'll be starting down that same pathway of, all right, you know, how do we improve upon this? So I don't think you're ever... 100% saying I'm done, it's not going to get better again. It's That's the fun part of it is kind of going down that pathway and doing it over again. Sure, sure. Uh, so then if we turn our attention then finally to the putters, you have three different types of putters currently um, that you'll be offering, a, a mid-mallet, a mallet, and a blade, and they all seem to pay the respects to your local um, uh, location for the for the. Uh, yeah. Um, um, how did the uh, putters, uh, how did you decide on having those three, and uh, what does the design mean to you? What, are you? what were you trying to accomplish? Clean, classic, all milled putters with, you know, I, I truly think if you take a full ingot of steel and you mill it with no casting, I think it's the best feeling putter in the world to do it that way. It's expensive, but they look beautiful. I mean, it's it's functionality and its art at the same time. I mean, they look, you know, any all-milled putter looks stunning. The first three designs we wanted to come out with, you know, the classic blade, a mid-mallet, and a full mallet. Like, simple, most people know what niche they're in, and, and but do it in the highest possible um, quality that we can do it in with having them all milled. So there, this is just sort of the, the first three. Once again, that'll be expanded out. We're probably going to do uh, 
the full mallet coming up here later this summer in an, in an you know an arm lock type version uh, with the popularity of that growing that's a pretty easy you know transition to make from that putter head by putting a little more weight to it a little bit more loft we can turn that into a you know an arm lock style and then next year um, you know maybe some different variations that we're getting customer feedback from on the blade of a some different kind of hosels or something to that extent that we'll start experimenting with later this year and try to expand out on the line a little bit but Nothing crazy. We wanted to kind of have three, you know, distinctive styles of putters that would fit most people of what they're looking for. But like I said, you, you, we want them to be very functional, but we also want them to look like a piece of art as well. Does having a milled putter make the design process more difficult, knowing that you're going to have to take this block and mill it down, than say, you know, something that was taken with a different approach? Oh, I think it's, you know, because you can do so much with CNC milling, right? So it's from from a coming up with a with a drawing or idea and then milling it. You know, we kind of had the the ideas of how we wanted to do it. The freedom of the CNC machine kind of you can do a lot of cool stuff with it of of cutting weight away and putting weight here and putting weight there. So, you know, and you're not dealing with multi material. So relatively speaking, you know, once once we got the putters right, but the but Working with a CNC machine actually makes your life easier because it can kind of, you know, if you want weight gone from here or added here, it's quite easy to do with it. So we had all kinds of different versions at first, and then these are the ones that we came up with that felt the best, tested the best, people liked the best. So I would say having a having it milled from an imagination standpoint, you can do a whole lot with it. It's 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 relatively easy to come up with ideas, and then just finding which ideas seem to work the best. So I guess the last point that I'd uh, like to touch on, you brought it up briefly before, is you, you do offer a 60-day, 100% satisfaction guarantee. Um, why, where was that idea? And is that, that kind of in sync with the whole idea that you wanted to be factory direct so you kind of feel that the, that's a, a fair amount of time to get feedback on the clubs and, and kind of what took you to that, to that point? Well, I think for the customer, just for them to feel comfortable that just makes the most sense, and we have enough confidence in the equipment that you know we think it's going to fit you. So, because you're not getting to hit the set of clubs before, you know, unless you know you, you come out to visit us, and we're happy to do fittings for those people and whatnot. But most of the stuff gets shipped all over the United States or all over the world at this point. So, if somebody uh, you know trusts us to build a set of clubs, I certainly want them to have. You know, and I think 60 days is a fair period of time to evaluate the clubs and, and know that there's somebody behind them. You know, it's the most important thing to me that if somebody gets the clubs, that they're happy and they perform and they're at the customer's expectations. If they're not, I want them to call us or call me personally or get a hold of any of us here. We'll try to make it right, and if we can't make it right, I don't need, I don't want somebody to have the clubs if they're not satisfied with it. So. Because we're a newer brand, because of the way we're doing it with the factory direct model, it just seemed to make the most sense, uh, you know, if I was on the other side of the transaction, to have a company that says, look, you know, it's 60 days, no questions asked. If you're not happy, call us. So it just kind of just made the most sense to me if, if I was on the other side of this, what would I want from the company I was dealing with? This has been the Chicago Golf Report Podcast. Visit ChicagoGolfReport.com right now for exclusive discount offers, Chicago Golf News, 
and in-depth event listings.